Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Now, today I'm going to start with a video, and the kids are watching a lightning storm, and they did this for a long, you know, there's been so many big storms, right? They were watching all the recent storms, and one of them was so entertaining, they started videotaping the kids watching it. Uh, you'll, you'll hear, I'll just give you a little translation. Chicky says, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and then Laurel says something which I can't translate for you. But anyway, I'll, we'll show the video, and then we'll... Go ahead, hit it again, because we got a little... <laughs> okay, that's good, that's good. <laughs> I'll send it out on email or texting so you can watch it. About it. But uh, yeah, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, so Chicky, you, oh my gosh, and Laura, I don't have any idea what she's saying, but they were just shocked by that. Now, how do we, and a lot of us have been shocked lately, right? It's been crazy what's been going on. How do we know a big storm is coming? Lightning and thunder, right? You see the lightning, you hear the thunder, we know it's coming. But we're going to see today that Elijah... Elijah saw a big storm coming with spiritual eyes. There was no clouds, there was no lightning, there was no thunder. He's, he saw it coming with spiritual eyes. And, and he saw it with, uh, with, through faith and in his heart. And there's a lot of encouragement for us today as what we're trying to see what God is doing. The title for today is How Bad Do You Really Want It? How bad do you really want it? You're going to see why I call it that in a little bit. It's really about Elijah and some lessons on prayer, some encouragement to pray from, from Elijah. But let's start with prayer. Father, we thank you for the worship. Wow. It's just so great to connect with you through worship. What a gift you've given us. And Lord, we also now know that as we go to your word, what a gift you've given us through your word and through your Holy Spirit's power. Pray that your Holy Spirit would really open our eyes to your word today and and to what your spirit wants to show us through your word in our hearts. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the review. Elijah is up on top of Mount Carmel. He has a showdown. He, he wins. The fire comes down for Jehovah, not Baal. Uh, it's been a wild, wild story, right? The people all decide, well, yeah, God's the real God. There's the fire. And now it's time for the rain. Now that they got that straightened out, now it's time for the big rainstorm. And let's pick it up with verse, uh, chapter 18, verse 42. First Kings 18, 42, where it says, So Ahab went off to eat and drink. Remember that sermon? But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times. Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported... A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. 
We'll hit the next part next time. Wait till we see the, the exciting conclusion of that, heading to Jezreel. But there's a lot that we can learn from those couple of verses. A lot of encouragement here in prayer and what it really is from Elijah here. The first thing that jumps out at us is that Elijah got alone with God. Elijah got alone with God. After this huge spiritual victory, fire from, from heaven, he won the spiritual Super Bowl. It was a big showdown, just like winning the Super Bowl, right? A spiritual Super Bowl. Everybody was there watching. All the Israelites were there. But he didn't join a parade. He didn't go on the Super Bowl parade, did he? He withdrew from the crowd and he got alone with God. What we must do if we want communion, and now that we know we're having communion today, this is just a reminder that God wants communion with us every day. He wants to commune. He wants to connect with us every day. He wants that intimacy with us every day. If we want to commune with God, we have to get away from all distractions and get alone with God. And it's not easy to do, is it? And it's not easy to get alone with God. But I don't know what your situation is, but I can guarantee you it's no, it's no, nobody has it harder than I do. <laughs> nobody. You could have it just as hard getting along with God, but nobody has it harder than Kim and I. 13 kids, you know, the whole day. Yeah, it's hard to get along with God. And I have to get up really early. I used to not like to get up so late, but now I get up really early, and that's my time alone with God. If I'm not out digging up gravestones, as some of you saw the video, I'm not doing that. Uh, but even there, it's communion. I'm out. I, I have to get up really early if I want that time with God. And a lot of times, even if I get up early, I still have to get out of the house. A lot of times, I'm out walking wherever, you know, just getting away, getting out, because that is my only way to get alone with God. And sometimes Kim will say, you know, you really should take your cell phone with you. You know, I'm like, I, no, I don't want myself. Yeah, but what if something happens? Or how can we get a hold of you? I, that's the whole point. Nobody can get a hold of me. I'm alone with God. You know, this is my window. God's going to have to take care of everything else for that little alone time there, right? So uh, where do you, how do you, and where do you commune with God? Where do you hear from God? And you don't have to say, a lot of people think, oh, God's talking. No, it's just listening. Just listening, being alone with God and hearing from Him. Could be anywhere. Could be out early, could be walking, could be in the car. Anywhere that you can get alone with God. That has to be that time. The second thing that jumps out, not only was Elijah alone with God, but Elijah got, he got alone with God, but he also got on his knees. He got on his knees. Now, we know from God's Word we can pray anyway. Anywhere, anyhow, any mode, we see uh, people on their knees. We people see people standing to pray. We see people, uh, David talked about lying on his bed in prayer. Sometimes on the bed is the best. If you can stay awake, that's a great place to pray. You, nobody's bugging you, right? Uh, that's, that's, that's a great place. But, but even though we can pray in any way, praying on our knees is also a very important, critical posture for prayer. It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of reverence. And the reason that Elijah could stand up to the earthly king Ahab is because he was on his knees before God. Got alone with God, got on his knees. And another key to praying, Elijah's praying, is his prayer was based on God's word. Did you realize that? Did you realize that this was based, this was a, he was praying a specific promise that God had given him. When was that? 1 Kings 18.1, all the way back to the beginning of the chapter a couple months ago. We, anyway, back, back there, verse 1. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I shall send rain on the land. 
He says, you go show yourself to Ahab, and I'm going to send rain. He did it. He not only showed himself, but he, he faced him down. And now he knows the promise. God made a promise that he was going to send rain. He gave a specific promise. He did what he's supposed to do, and now he knows rain is coming because he did that. Now, the question I have is, if he was promised rain, what is he doing on his knees asking for it? God already promised it, right? If God promises something, why do we have to ask for it? Very God doesn't give us his promises in his word so that we won't have to bother with praying anymore. That's a big misconception. If we have a promise, that's, that's not so we don't have to bother praying anymore. It's to show us what we should be praying for in faith. Now we know what we should be focusing our prayer on, a promise that God has given us in his word. And, and, also to sh and also to encourage our faith, to motivate us to pray, to seek communion with God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is communing. It's connecting. It's being intimate with God. And the whole point of the promise is to motivate us to pray and to seek communion with him. It's kind of like if you promise your kids a trip to Disney. We're going to go to Disney this summer. Or you tell your kids, when you turn 16, I'm going to buy you a brand new car. Right? What if you did that? If you did that, what would that create? It would create anticipation, right? It would create excitement. And they would always be reminding you, hey, how many more days till we go to Disney or how many more years before I get my car, you know? Uh, you know, they'd be constantly talking about that, right? Um, or, and, and as you do that, it, you have this bond. You're riding with them, they keep bringing it up and talking about it, and you have this bond now. And, and this, we're talking about something as, as small spiritually as you know disney or a car but think about spiritually why god does it why god promises us and, and encourage us to pray it's all about communing it's all about connecting the same way you would connect over something exciting coming up that's the same thing with these promises it's meant to connect us to god elijah's prayer was also very fervent it was very fervent it was very intense very very intense how do we know that where does it say that in that passage doesn't say it there, but it says it somewhere else. God's word. Connect the dots. All over to God's word. James chapter 5. Remember we went through the book of James some years ago? James chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He prayed earnestly earnestly and that's vital in prayer vital I mean, god it's communion it's connecting it's a relationship this is what this this prayer is we're connecting with god i'll give you an example uh, we were coming back i was coming back a couple weeks ago with the kids in the car and, and they were all they were actually visiting baby james at the hospital and we we're coming back and i had the older kids and younger kids and and megan who's our oldest daughter said we were driving by and she goes oh look there's chick-fil-a you're gonna take us there and now she's just kidding. She, you know, she's just kidding. She didn't really mean it. She just said it kind of flippantly, nonchalant. And I said, "Oh yeah, we're all going there," you know. You know. And I just gave her one of these flip responses back. But Laura was sitting right next to her. <laughs> and I wish she hadn't said something, but she did. And Laura went, 
however her language is that Chick-fil-A somehow in her language and I didn't really pay attention I turned and went through the light and started going oh I heard, heard this whimper and all I heard so I heard this explosion you know ah, freaking out you know and I'm like oh I stopped the car I turned around drove back to Chick-fil-A we all got Chick-fil-A right turned it around why did I respond to Laurel and not to Megan why that's probably what Kim is wondering, too, if she's hearing this. I don't know where she is right now, but because she was more earnest, right? She was earnest. Megan was flipped, no big deal, didn't really care, but Laurel, it was earnest. She really wanted to go to Chick-fil-A with, with me or whoever would take her, and, and she expected something. The kids said, I, Dad, you're, when we were back there, they were all happy. They waited until we left Chick-fil-A. Then they said, Dad, you're spoiling her. You know, they, they didn't say it on the way there. They waited until we left. You know, you're spoiling her. I said, I'm also a grandpa, you know, dad and grandpa, right? So, and, uh, and I said, it's your fault for pointing it out, you know? But, but she expected something. She really expected it. And e Elijah also asked God expectantly. That's a key in prayer, too. He was expectant. And that's how we must pray. Look back at 1 Kings 18, verse 43, when it says this. 43. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Go back. Keep looking. That's how we must pray, is be looking for God's answers. To look what his answer is. Now, his answer might not always be what we want, but look for the answer. Because he's going to answer that prayer. And not only was he expecting, but Elijah persevered in his prayer. He persevered seven times, went back to look. And the seventh time he's finally answered, finally rewarded with an answer, verse 44, the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising up from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. This is so often where we fail in prayer. We don't persevere. It's hard, isn't it? We get discouraged. We lose hope. We don't persevere in prayer. But this, it's, it's vital. The, the, Jesus said the same thing, persevere. It's vital that we, that we persevere and, and expectant. We're expecting God to answer and we're persevering. So time, many times in prayer, I think we as Christians treat God like a gumball machine. We just pop in our, I don't know what it costs anywhere, but when I was a kid it was a penny. You remember the penny? You put the penny in and you out pops the gumball, right? You just expect that gumball. And so many times we as Christians, we, we have this penny prayer that we drop into that God, the gumball machine. And, in, and every once in a while the gumball wouldn't come out. Remember that? And you'd be all upset. Uh, but it was just a penny. But, but with us, we put in that prayer and God doesn't answer and we walk away disappointed. We walk away disappointed and we just let it go. We don't persevere in prayer. Instead, we, we need to be like kids. Instead of the gumball machine, uh, I remember hearing the story and I actually looked it up. Uh, we need to buy like kids in claw machines. Now, this is actually pretty common uh, with, with claw machines. Kids, I don't know if you follow, follow but I looked up. Kids often with these claw machines that you play and you try to get the prize, they work their way into the machine somehow. They want that prize so badly they get in and get the, get the here, we'll show the picture, Mikey. 
you go on, there's lots of pictures. This was my favorite when The kid inside the claw machine crying, trying to get out. But, but a lot of them, they're holding the little teddy bear or something. They're in the claw machine. He, how did he get in there? How? And they get in there all the time. It's a really common thing. But he, they want the prize. And we, that's what God wants us to be like. He wants us to persevere. He wants us to go for that prize. Now, why does God want us to persevere? Because it's teaching us something. God is teaching us something. Perseverance, for one thing, Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Everybody rejoicing in their suffering this morning? We're all rejoicing in our suffering, aren't we? But, but we're supposed to. Why? It doesn't say enjoy it, but we rejoice in it. We have joy in the midst of it. Why? Because we know that our suffering develops perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Look at the spiritual steps, suffering to the perseverance, to the character, to the hope, and there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to reaching the hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His, heart, poured out His Holy Spirit into our hearts whom He has given us. We will not be disappointed when we finish the steps. Because we have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that someday we are going to be in God's presence someday. We have the Holy Spirit as the guarantee, the deposit, the guarantee. That's what he's talking about there. And we, we, there are no shortcuts. What if Elijah had stopped after five times? What if he said after five, well, God, what this, your promise is? It's not coming true. What if he bailed out after six it took the seventh time. Think of Jericho. They're marching around the city of Jericho. Seven days in a row. And the last time, seven times. Do the math. It was crazy. Remember we talked about that back in Joshua? What if they had quit on the sixth day? The walls don't fall. And that's the key, is to persevere. To persevere. If we have a promise from the word of God, never quit praying for it. Never. And if we don't have a specific promise, a specific promise, still, for a given situation, still keep praying for God's will. God's will may not be all pretty for us here on earth, but it's going to have a, a positive eternal outcome. Keep praying for His will. We don't know what to pray in a given situation. We all have these, these trials, right? We don't know. We don't have a specific promise, but we know we can pray for God's will in that situation. We can pray for his will. That's what we can do. We've been tested with that with Sarah's treatments. We're still not getting the darn treatments, right? It's crazy. But I don't have a specific promise that, oh, she's going to get better and these treatments are going to make her better and they're going to. I don't have a specific, but I can pray for God's will. God's purpose, God's glory. We can pray that. God's glory, God's purpose, God's will. What he wants. We can persevere in that prayer. And, and God often keeps us waiting. Another reason why he, you know, we're called to persevere. But he also keeps us waiting because we're, well, always if he's keeping us waiting, we're not ready yet. He's preparing us for his answer. And his answer might not be what we would pick at the beginning, right? It might not even be pick what, what, may not even be what we pick 
on the sixth day. But it's what we will know on the seventh day. That's what God wants. And he's preparing us for his answer. Only God knows when we're ready for his answer. Only he knows when we're really ready. I remember when our kids, uh, our kids wanted a dog years ago. And they were starting to ask for a dog, ask for a dog, ask for a dog. And I grew up on a farm. We had five, ten dogs at a time. But where we live, it's trickier having a dog. We knew it would be a stressful thing uh, in a suburb, you know, in a development. So, first of all, the first kid who asked, I said, no way. Because I know he would never take care of that dog. I knew it. Uh, yeah, I knew it. Then the other ones started asking, and I said, well, they're a little more responsible. And I said, well, when you get older, they weren't ready yet. They weren't ready yet. When you get older, when you get older, you're going to have to wait for this. Uh, finally, I said, okay, we'll start looking for dogs. And I forget, I took a couple of them to look for dogs. And uh, it was Megan and Matthew. And we went to look for this dog. And we got to these people's house and it was false advertising. They were just trying to dump this crazy dog. It was deranged, right? They were trying to dump this deranged dog off. I went in and, and, and he said, oh, he's really good with kids. And he's got him on a leash. And the dog is jumping and doing somersaults. And his eyes were like doing this. Yeah, it was, it was, this dog was not right. I knew if I brought this home, this dog home, Kim would move out, right? Yeah, and we'd all be berserk because this dog, something was not right with this dog. But we get in the car, and what the kids say? Are we going to get this dog? Matthew and Megan, are we going to get this dog? I'm like, are you kidding? That dog's Cujo's son, you know? We're not getting that dog, you know? And they're like, they're like, and they. They start crying and crying. You were never going to get a dog. You're never going to get us. We know you're just playing with us. You're never going to get us a dog. We want that dog. I went, guys, I'm going to get you a dog. And that's not the right dog. This is not the right time, you know. And finally, we found the perfect dog, which, which Andrew and Kim are raising for us now. But anyway, thank you. Because... <laughs> I thought the kids were ready, and they really weren't, you know. It became Kim, my Kim's dog, you know. And uh, she ended up, you know, being another kid for her, you know. But, but, but uh, anyway, but she was also stressed out by little children. So that's why we ended up uh, sharing her. But anyway, the, uh, the <laughs> that's, I thought the kids were ready. They weren't. They're never ready, are they? We always end up taking care of the darn dog, right? But, but. God knows when we're really ready for his answer. He knows. He knows the perfect timing. And, and there's a saying on prayer, and I looked it up. I kind of paraphrased it. I, it's been out there for a long time. I've used it before. But I'll just give you the, the... This is a good way to remember with prayer how God answers. If our prayer is off base, God says, No. Is this easy, easy? No. Right? No. If our timing is wrong, God says, slow, slow. If we aren't ready yet, God says, grow, grow. Let's do this again. If our prayer is off base, God says, no. If the timing is wrong, he says, slow. If we're not ready yet, God says, grow, but if the prayer is in God's will, it's in his perfect time, and we are ready for it, God says, let's go, right? Let's go. And that's just, I just think that's a really, I don't even, couldn't even figure out who came up with it, but I just always love that saying on prayer, the no, slow, grow, go, right? And perseverance in prayer is so important in this, because 
we become completely dependent on God and he's working in and through us. We become completely dependent on God. Why? And, but there's something else here that I want to get at that leads into communion. Why did Elijah persevere? Even though he saw nothing with his eyes, why did he persevere? He kept praying because he could see something. Not with his eyes. He could see something with his heart. He could see something with the eyes of faith. He could see it. And he was finally answered. Look at verses 44 and 45. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down there before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. He was finally answered. Even Ahab could see it. (laughs) Stuff in his face. Even he could see it, right? Elijah knew it was coming already. He already knew. He knew because of faith and his heart. He could see something. A lot of us uh, with our phones, uh, the last couple of weeks has been crazy weather, hasn't it? And you're sitting there and also on the phone, bah, 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 you know, making something out, and you, you, you hit it and there's a st- storm warning. Or a tornado warning. How many of you were in the basement? You know, the kids were all down in the basement. You know, it was all exciting. We were having fun in the basement. Uh, they were all excited. So anyway, uh, we were the warnings, tornado warnings, storm warnings coming. The cell phones now warn us when it's coming. But we also have a spiritual cell phone. A spiritual cell phone in our heart. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in. And lives inside of you. And now you have a spiritual cell phone. You have a a whole new way of, of seeing. Do you know we, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, we get eyes in our hearts. We're not just seeing with our eyes anymore, physical eyes, but now we have eyes in our heart. The moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you get eyes in your hearts. Ephesians 1.18 tells us how Elijah could see and how every one of us can see spiritually. In Ephesians 1.18 it says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints the key to praying like elijah prayed the key to living the life elijah lived is having the eyes of our hearts enlightened to have them opened remember we sang the song it was great loved it open the eyes of my heart that, that's, that's the key to this, is open, the eyes of our heart, open to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. See what it says about the hope? The hope that we have in Jesus Christ, no matter what we are facing in this life. And I know about the trials we're going through. No matter what we are going through in this life, we have hope in Jesus Christ. And when our eyes of our heart are open, we can see and focus on that hope. Not on the trial, but on the hope. And open to God's purpose. Look at what he's talking about here. Open to his purpose. What he's trying to accomplish in and through us. That's what we're, we're seeing. We can Instead of focusing on the, the pain, instead of focusing on the trial, instead of being discouraged, instead of focusing on looking with these eyes, we look with the eyes of our heart. And it makes the whole difference to what we're going through. 
It changes everything. That's why Elijah could go through all he went through, even praying for this rain when it wasn't really coming yet, when they couldn't see it. That's the whole point is we see, whoa, what is God trying to do here? What is he trying to tell me here? What is he trying to accomplish? Even when we make a big mess of everything and, and mess everything up, he can still bring something good out of it. What good could he still bring out of this mess? That's what the eyes of our heart let us do. A lot of you know that this past week was two years losing Ryan. A lot of you out there have lost people. You know what I'm talking about? I remember the shock. It brings back the shock and the sadness which never really leaves. You all know that. But the eyes of of faith have allowed us to see God touching many lives, touching many people, even in our family. The stories I could tell you just in our family alone, what God has done in and through this, and how God has taken a bad thing and brought something good out of it. Romans 8.28, bringing something good out of it. We all are going to face, are facing, will face, have faced bad things. But God will bring good things out of it. God promised that. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works for the good in all things. And the eyes of faith let us see that. And let us appreciate that. And let us focus on that. Not on the bad, but on the good. Do you have that hope? Do you have that hope this morning? Do you have the eyes in your heart yet? Or are you still blind like we all started out? Like Ahab was. Are we, we're all blind. You can have those eyes right now. Right this moment, you can have those eyes. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. One chapter further from chapter 1. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. you, You can have these eyes the moment you put your faith in God's grace. The grace that he gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him. Your eyes open. And and the life is completely changed through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you have that hope? That's what communion is all about as we go to this communion time. That's what communion is all about. It's, it's all about communing with God and reconnecting with God and, 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 and getting close to Him. And prayer. Communion is really a, a form of prayer. God is not a genie in the bottle. He's not a genie. A lot of people treat Him like a genie in the bottle. He's not a genie in the bottle. He's our Father. A father to us. And he wants to be in a close relationship with us. That's what communion is a reminder of. That he wants to be close. That he wants to be close to us. That's, that's the relationship he wants with us. If you want to see communion in action, it's Laurel and Kim. Uh, Laurel, she loves everybody. We have a great time. But at the end of the day, she's like, I'm mommy's girl. I'm mommy's. At the end. And at night, she used to sleep in her own room. She has her own room. But, uh, but she doesn't want to be away from Kim. So, so I, I, every night, I have to build her a little bed right next to Kim on the floor. I put a little, little bed and I put pillows around it because she flies all over the place. And, I, and she sleeps there. And 
that's where she is when we go to sleep. When I wake up, I get up early, I go out, guess where she is? On top of Kim. She's right next to Kim. Her head's touching Kim's. It's, it's the cutest thing. I should have brought some pictures. But, uh, you know, she's, she's on her. She's got her head up against her. Kim can't breathe. You know, there's no air. You know, that whole thing. And, and Kim said the other day, she's like, oh, I'm just so hot. And I was just like claustrophobic, this little girl on my laser. You know. And so, so I, I kind of, you got out of bed early, 6 o'clock or whatever. So I just kind of shifted away from her. There's some space there. And I shifted away. And all of a sudden, I, I felt this little hand reaching out. Tapping. Tapping, tapping, tapping. Till she found her. As soon as she found her, moved back over and invaded her body space. But that's what God wants with us. God feels far away. He's never far away. But we're constantly wanting to commune with him. To reach out for him. And that's what struggles and trials create in us. A need for him, right? A a reminder of our need for him. That's one of the beautiful parts of of a trial. But God wants us to be close to him. He wants us to reach out for him. He wants intimacy with us. That's why he sacrificed his one and only son for us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He wanted that intimacy so much that he reconnected with us by sacrificing his only son, Jesus Christ, on a cross. In our place to take our sin, to take the, the, the punishment, to be our substitute. And communion is a reminder of that. That's why we have communion. The, the bread represents the body of Jesus. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. It's a reminder that he gave his body and blood for us. And what we do is we just have some... Uh, worship, uh, song, and music playing. And when you're ready, you can just come on up and, and take the, the bread and take the cup. And you can take it up here. You can take it back to your seat. You can take it with a family member or a friend. You can take it alone. There's no right or wrong way. Just take, just communing with God. That's what, that's how we do it. Now, there's only two reasons why you shouldn't do it. The first thing is if you're not a Christian yet, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, sit this one out. Alright? Uh, just wait for the next time, you know? But, but, But you can do that today. You don't have to sit it out. You can put your faith in Jesus today. You don't have to be disconnected from God for another minute, another second. You can commune with him here and from from on. But if you're not ready, it's okay. We don't, nobody judges anybody. It's okay. The second reason is we're already a Christian, but there's something in our life that you say, God, you can't have this. His word says something. The Holy Spirit's convicting us. And we say, God, uh uh-uh, you can't have it. Wait. The Bible says don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. If there's something in your life you're not ready to surrender, wait. But, but, why wait? Give it up. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. None of us could come up. We could not even bother with this, right? But no, it's not about perfection. It's about surrender. If you're ready to surrender something, even though you're struggling, ready to surrender it, come on up. Come on up. Uh, Because every one of us can come up to the table. If you're not ready, it's okay. Wrestle with it. It's okay. But, but. I don't want, don't want to make it clear that anyone, any one of us, the moment we surrender, we can come up. We can commune. Not, not just come up, but the communing daily, every minute, every second. Where, where's my mom? You know, where's my dad? Reaching for. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us as we go to this time of prayer? Which part of Elijah's prayer 
has convicted us today. Maybe we need to get alone or get on our knees. Maybe there's a promise that we need to, to claim, focus on. Maybe it's earnestness. Maybe it's, it's becoming fervent in our prayer. Maybe it's expectant. Do we really expect God to answer us? Maybe it's persevering. A commitment to persevere. As we're praying about these things, how is God preparing us for his answer? Are the eyes of our heart open to see what he's trying to do in and through us? And while we're praying about that, maybe you're here today and you realize you can't commune yet with God because you've never put your faith in Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, today's the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's salvation for your life. You can take that step of faith right now. A prayer from your heart to God. The simple prayer of faith. God, I put my faith in Jesus. I believe he died on that cross for me. I believe he rose from the dead for me. I don't want to sin anymore. I repent. I walk away from that old life. Anything in your word I, that goes against, anything in my life that goes against your word, I walk away from it. I turn away from it. I ask you to forgive me. I've put my faith in Jesus and I'm going to follow him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened. You're in for the shock of your life. It's, it's a lot more shocking than a, a bolt, of electric, bolt of lightning. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you right now, and you now have eyes in your heart. You're going to see things you never thought possible. In your life, you're going to see them. In, your, in God's word, you're going to see them. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've taken this step of faith so we can encourage you and help you. Tell me on the way out or fill out the card or tell a friend or a family member. Let somebody know. Because we're going to be so excited and and encourage you in your life in Christ. Father, we pray as we go to this communion time now that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way. That if anyone here has not put their faith in you, this would be the day that they are saved. That if there's something we need to surrender, it will happen. If, there's, if, if it's opening our eyes to just being close to you and intimate with you. We pray your Holy Spirit would draw us into a close intimacy now. In Jesus' name.